Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Lunch Pail Podcast along Mike Ni- alongside Mike Nizolik, the Virginia Tech football beat writer for the Roanoke Times. This is Aaron McFarling, sports columnist for the Roanoke Times. We are back from Beantown where we witnessed Virginia Tech's 35-28 loss to Boston College. I know it was disappointing for the fans out there. I will say I predicted 35-30 Boston College. I am pretty proud of uh, the actual the closeness of that score. Uh, Mike, what were your biggest takeaways from that performance that the Hokies put on? Well, I said, you know, Ryan Willis can't <laughs> fall apart, or I didn't expect it to him either, and and that and he fell apart. Um, he uh, had a bunch of yards, but it, and, and you know, four touchdowns, tied a career high. Um, but three interceptions, um, a fumble, sacked twice, uh, a disastrous performance kind of all around. Um, and and you, you have no chance to win when you turn the ball, and, and they turned all over five times total. Uh, Hezekiah Grimsley fumbled a punt. Um, and just, you know, you thought the strength of this team was going to be the offense, and then you get that quarterback play, and, you know, fans are upset, and understandably so. Um, you just you just can't have that. And especially, you know, Coach Fuentes talked about how they've prepared well for season openers in the past when they have time. They like their game prep. Um, and it was – and this was a, d- a defense that wasn't very good. Their secondary uh, was very young, uh, had holes in it. I mean, you saw uh, Grimsley catches a 55-yard touchdown. There's nobody on him. You know, he, he blows past the entire defense. Um, so – I think that was a uh, just a not not good step forward after you're trying to kind of separate yourself from last year, and it's a mistake-filled opener that, look, maybe these teams are evenly matched, but I think if you play this game Virginia Tech 10 times, Virginia Tech's going to come out more times than not. Um, you know, you just look at that performance, and you could see how easily that would have been a win. Yeah, we both expected a lot of points in this game, and Tech didn't get enough points, basically, yeah. is what you're saying. I wrote my entire column on, on Willis uh, because, like you said, he was the known quanti- he's one of the known quantities on this team. He's supposed to be one of those guys who's not going to make the big mistakes that you uh, associate with young players or inexperienced players. His experience both at Kansas and at Virginia Tech should have prepared him to have a better performance than he did in the opener. Uh, to his credit, he owned it. I mean, he owned it. Uh, Coach Fuente owned it. I mean, they, you know, he said, "Look, we've got to be better." Ryan knows that. Uh, there's no, there was no making excuses for the performance by either of those guys. What did you think about the defense? You know, they they give up some big plays early in the game, and then the third quarter they don't give up a single yard. Uh, they they allowed Tech to to fight back and get back in the game. Uh, overall, what did you think of the defense? The defensive line is young. Um, you know, there's some young players on the defensive line, I should say. It was like Jekyll and Hyde, right? I mean, you saw the first half, you think, man, this team hasn't improved much. I mean, those big passing plays, uh, Bud Foster said, you know, attribute them to breakdowns and coverage um, and just, you know, not good enough, he simply said. Just, just you can't have that. Those were like their turnovers. You know, those were like five, you know, you had the, the two long touchdown passes and just uh, three, I think, over 50 yards uh, plays in general. Um or two over 50, 56 and 58. And you just can't have those at this point, especially on the first, you know, first, first quarter, second quarter, right out of the gate. When you said, you know, you've kind of, you've, you're, you're, 
Uh, more you got veteran players now at these positions. You know, Caleb Farley shouldn't be doing this. Jermaine Waller had some experience, still young, but you know, Javon Quillen was in coverage on one of the touchdowns. Um, just disappointing. Uh, but then that third quarter, they were terrific. You know, you can't take anything away. Look, you know, they didn't run a lot of plays. Nine, but it was three, three and out. So three series, they got off the field uh, and did their job um, and allowed zero total yards. So um, you know, you saw the potential there, but then at the end. Third and nine, you have a chance to get the ball back, and A.J. Dillon basically three plays straight straight up the middle off the guard, and they allowed the first down uh, on third and nine. So, I mean, and that was kind of reminiscent of last year. You know, anytime they need to get off the field, they need a big stop, um, they would allow a big gain. And so, you know, they kept Dillon in check. Uh, what's his final line here? I have it in front yeah, of like me. 60 yards. Yeah. Uh, 81 yards, uh, 23 time? carries, 3.5 yards a carry. That's that's a win. Perfectly you know, acceptable. That's yes. acceptable to, to final line for a defense to hold him to. Um, and, and he had seven yards for a loss. So, I mean, you, you tackled him a couple of times behind the line of scrimmage. But the final taste, you know, the, you, you leave with is that gain on the third down. That's what you needed to stop him. Um, so, I think, obviously, a lot to, to work on. But I, I think you're just concerned that you see those big plays again because that's what just killed this team time and time again last year. Um, and, you know, it, it happened again. Well, they sold out to stop Dylan. I mean, and that's kind of what you got to do. Uh, it was the talk all week, you know, how are you going to stop this guy? How you gonna, well, the, what they're going to do is they're going to stack the box and they're going to say, you're not going to beat us. And for the most part, they did a great job of that. Um, but it, you're right. That third and nine is very disappointing because I feel like Tech could have won the game had they gotten that stop. I mean, they, they were moving the ball every Willis time they got. Willis had found yeah. his way into this game, and and that, that's something I want to point out about Willis too. He he did show moments in the game like where you're like, okay, now I remember why he's the starting quarterback. It's you know, he, well there was that dive on that last drive to extend it. When everybody was packing gutsy. it in. Yeah, yeah. And, and there was also a, a sequence. You know, he got sacked, and then they're facing a third and twenty. Two, I think it was, and he zips a thirty, uh, a twenty-four yard pass. Uh, I believe it was to Grimsley, and it was just you know on a rope. It was the kind of throw you see in in the NFL, and uh, he can make those throws. Um, so he just got to find a way to minimize those mistakes. But that's part of the package with Ryan Wills. I mean, what you pointed out at the press conference today, what that's his ninth multi-interception game. Ninth multi-interception game. game in his career, and it's, you kind of. Uh, the turnover prone label that's that's he's started 22 games i think now in his career that's so almost half yeah. uh and so that's that's turnover prone i mean that's absolutely uh, i think the criticism is now fair you know you know look you, you kind of try to give him some slack on those early games he was a freshman starter at kansas uh got a terrible thrown, team terrible team got thrown again into the mix in his sophomore year after not starting um early in the season started a couple games turned it over seven times in two games um, but now you're starting to see, you know, he had a couple of those last year, and now you just worry, like, is, is this just how he is? Is this how, just, you know, the decision-making? He's You just trust his talent a little too much. Um, you know, Cornelson talked about him having a battle with himself uh, before the season, just, you know, uh, on a game-by-game -game basis where he has to kind of rein in some of his instincts. Um, you know, the main comparison I made with you after the game was, you know, Jake Cutler, They were they, the Chicago Bears, you know, I, from Chicago, um, they waited, what, 10 years for him to turn the right. corner and finally not do that, not have that mentality, not make those mistakes. Um, and those are the kind of things that kill teams. Um, and so, you know, one game, certainly, last year after Florida State, we were saying, goodness gracious, this could be a special season. Right. Um, that obviously did not happen. Far from it. Um, so, you know, you kind of say, well, you can't make judgments. But it was a bad game and a bad performance. 
what would I mean the, the the thought on I think a lot of people's minds is what would it take for Fuente to make a coaching or a quarterback change. He doesn't like to make quarterback changes. Uh, he, but he also has a disdain for turnovers. We right. know that. Uh, what, you know, how far away do you think he was at any point in that game from being pulled from the game? Uh, I mean, I don't think he was in that game, but I think if you see something like that happen on Saturday or even in the next couple of weeks, um, he's not going to get the benefit of the doubt. You know, um, I was looking back kind of at performances, uh, you know, for the first quarterbacks in the first season opener, and he pulled Jared Evans. They, they were up big, and he had already scored like four or five touchdowns. Um, but he made an example of pulling him, right. you know, after a turnover. Um, and uh, I think that would happen if he, if Ryan Willis now has another game like this where maybe it's not the whole game, maybe it's not the rest of the game if it's early, um, but just to kind of get in his head and like, look, this has got to stop. You know, you got to draw the line somewhere. And I don't think Fuente's going to let another three turnovers happen without saying, doing something uh, and to, to show, like, look, you know, you could say everything positive in the week, week leading up to the game, but if you keep in the game making those mistakes, we're going to have to do something. Um, you know, I, I, I think he believes, and I think everybody that knows Ryan or has, has coached him believes that he's capable of being a very good Division One quarterback. He's now got to do that. You know, there's no excuses left. Right. Well, I said last week when we were sort of breaking down this matchup, I said, look, I don't think it's disastrous if Virginia Tech loses this game. I think what Virginia had in front of them was much more consequential in terms of the coastal race and all those things because you got so much time to ramp up yourself with some opponents that aren't as good. But you pointed out to me before we sat down here, that's the fifth loss in six ACC games for Virginia Tech. That's completely unacceptable. And that goes to your point that you were saying earlier about setting a new direction. They have not done that yet this season. Um, just you know, put that five out of six in perspective for me. How bad is that? Well, I mean, it's bad on its face because, um, you know, the, you're, you're losing games that you, against – I mean, what, Miami's maybe the only team that was better talent-wise that they lost to last year um, in that stretch. Uh, Boston College is not better than you, I don't think, and especially talent-wise. Like, when you looked at that offense outside of A.J. Dillon, I didn't think Boston College had more talent. On defense, I didn't think Boston College had more talent. So um, that that's not good. Um, but the other thing, and this, it's the way you lose some of these games. Look, blowouts to Georgia Tech, blowout. Um, to, to Pittsburgh. Now you lose a game against Boston College. It's close. We turn over five times, and you allow a bunch of long plays. Um, those are things where you kind of point to, you know, people are frustrated, I think, with Justin Fuente right now. And I, and I think, um, you know, in a game like this, those are supposed to be things that you've had months to coach against, you know. And, and so I can understand um, the frustration, um, but the, and they got to start getting some wins here. And now they've got – you know, three weeks to kind of get together. They got a Duke team coming in in a couple of weeks that they they should beat, um, and then you got Miami. Um, so I, I think you got to start putting these games together. Miami didn't look very good in that opening week either. Um, you know, when the town when there's parity outside of Clemson in the ACC, you can't be losing five or six if you know you want to feel comfortable. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. I have a higher opinion of Boston College than you do, but I will agree with your statement that talent for player for player, Virginia Tech is better. Yeah, it's better. Not, I, they're a good coach team. I mean, yeah, I mean, obviously I, I, they, I just, their scheme I, is good. Every uh, time they go up there or Boston College comes down here, I always have the feeling that it's it's a dangerous game. Yeah. Uh, I don't ever feel 
the, the comfortable that Virginia Tech's just going to go up there and win comfortably. Um, so now ODU. Uh, obviously, we all remember what happened last year. We, you know, we go down to Norfolk and we're covering the game, and all of a sudden it turns into something we never expected to see. I don't. I would love to go back and listen to our podcast before that game because I'm sure we didn't spend a lot of time on the matchup itself. We were probably taking talking a lot about Florida talking about State. hurricanes and you know, weeks off. And, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, let's start with that game last year. How much does, do you think that matters coming into this game? You know, I didn't ask much about it today to players because I, I just don't – look, it's in the back of their minds. They know there was one of the biggest losses of the year last year. Um, but like I said, coming off five or six ACC losses, um, I think you have to worry about the bigger picture more than this one game. Um, you know, you have to win this as an opponent you should beat. Um, but they got problems they need to fix that go beyond – what happened last year against ODU. That was a different team, too. Josh Jackson was your starting quarterback. He's not on the team anymore. Um, you know, you had a bunch of drama kind of surrounding the team. A lot of those players, the, you know, Kuma's now on Old Dominion. Uh, it's Eric Kuma, the, who started the receiver at that game. I just think, it, you know, this team just needs to play well. It doesn't matter who the who's on the other side of the field. It doesn't matter what happened last year. You just can't keep making the same mistakes over and over again. And uh, – it just happens to be ODU this week, but, you know, the players kept saying 1-0, and and it's true. Uh, I just think – but it's, I think it goes beyond that. I just think they need to look like they're playing better football. Mike, you're in year two of covering this team, yeah. okay? I'm in year 19, okay? I want to ask you if I'm just living in the past. Is it is it unreasonable for me to expect a running back to have a 100-yard game here at Virginia Tech? I mean, is it is that unreasonable? Well, one of the best games that a running back had in recent memory was Peoples last year against Old Dominion, I think. He had the most carries I yeah, think, it was Peoples, out of anybody yeah. in the last three years for, for a running back uh, under Justin Fuente. I don't understand their system with it. I mean, I um, grew up with, you know watching the NFL, and everybody just strived to have that one back. You know, that was all you needed. You know, you wanted to put the game on his shoulders. Uh, and they seem to just view it completely different, where it's like, we need guys that have different skill sets that could do different things that we can change up every play of a drive, which I don't know, feels to me that kind of disrupts the rhythm. I asked about pace the last couple of press conferences because I just felt they're just, it, that is part of the problem that they move a little slow because they're substituting so much. A lot of that comes at running back. Um, you know, now you're down one, something we should mention. It sounds like Jalen Holston's, you know, they said a while, but it sounds like he's out for the season. Uh, had surgery on Monday, undisclosed injury, looked like a uh, knee or uh, ankle or something, got hurt on his last carry of the first half uh, against Boston College. So now you got McLeese and King, and so now you're going to have to sort of divvy up the carries more specifically. But, um, yeah, I, I, I think that they, this offense could use a primary back. I, I didn't talk about this on the podcast last week, but I did talk about it on the radio, I think, locally. You know, Bronco Mendenhall up in Virginia – he wants that one bell cow guy, and he says, look, we may not have it this year. I may have to divvy it up, but I'm going to look as hard as I can to find one. And why is that? Well, one is that he believes that it improves the chemistry in, in the handoffs. It improves the blocking. It improves a lot of things that uh, that we don't even think about beyond just, you know, running the ball down the field and getting uh, sort of finding your way into the game. And I asked Keyshawn King today about that sort of like – were you a type of player when, when you were in high school that just kind of got better as the game went along? He said, yeah. He says, uh, you know, you start to see things develop a little easier. 
Um, you know, you start to understand where your blocks are coming from and all those things. And I think those are those are things. Look, it's a chicken or the egg thing, and it's something that you know we've been talking around about since Fuente got here. Basically, is it that he just hasn't had the, a player talented enough that he can give him all the or you know a lion's share of the carries, or is this just what he wants to you know this is how he wants to do it? Um, I think if this is how he wants to do it, I don't agree with it. I mean, he's the one making the millions of dollars. Yeah, no, it's it. And um, part of the problem now, I mean, look, um, with Holston out, you got one experience back in McLeese and one in King who doesn't probably know the ins and outs of everything. They want to run these RPOs. How much does he know? How much can he block? How much does he know, uh, you know, the ins and outs of all this different what they do? And so that's got to be tough, and that's going to be part of it. You know, I don't think that they're going to throw him in there every play because they, like, literally can't. He probably doesn't know certain packages or probably doesn't know – the blocking scheme, or they're not comfortable with him. Maybe he knows it, but they're not comfortable with him doing it. Um, so they're going to have to kind of increase as it goes on. But I get the sense that they feel he has the potential to be that back. Right. But uh, two games into his fresh, true freshman year, um, maybe you can't ask that. You know, the problem is they <laughs> they need to win now. So it's really right. if he's good in two years and can handle 30 carries a game or 25 carries a game, that doesn't do this staff good. To, you know, tomorrow or Saturday. Um, because that they just need to be better. I mean, I you know I keep going back to this. Um, the running game, you know, the stats are ugly. I mean, two point three yards per carry was what they finished yeah, with. That's, that's disastrous. You know, not a running against back. the defensive line that was almost brand new. Yeah, and uh, you know, four nobody averaged more than four yards per carry uh, for running backs. Um, they only had one double digit carry. Holston, the carry the <laughs> ironically he got hurt on, went for ten yards. That was their only. So I mean, they didn't. You know, most. Coaching staffs say 15 yards is an explosive play. Not a single explosive play in the run game. Um, I asked if it was blocking, you know, if it was the, you know, up front, and they kind of put it on the team. So it's hard to get a sense of where these breakdowns are happening. You know, I, I it, it just wasn't good. It's just the, the running game looked slow, I, I thought. And, was, and they're running a lot to the outside, and maybe that's part of the problem. Like, you know, trying to develop these big plays when you got backs. You know, King is explosive, but McLeese, I don't – think that that's really his strength in you know, necessarily he's um, shown flashes like in a couple of the bowl games he's you know and he's been good uh but yeah i mean you just don't hit look it at faster it. and it seems yeah. like maybe he could break something in the second level as opposed to trying to make everything with his hat with his feet happen sideline to sideline yeah here's here's what i want to see because i mean you you look at this matchup Texas 28 and a half point favorite i mean this is the kind of matchup you normally get a ton of guys a lot of action I would like to see, and it doesn't matter if they pick McLeese or they pick King, pick one and let him get going. Let's see what he can do with 20 carries. Let's see what he can do with 25. You have a little wiggle room and Frankly, here. I if they want to just go back to that jet sweep with Trey Turner and just use that as their run game. Well, you can't get that guy too many touches. You, I mean, he is dynamic, yeah. and he did. I mean, he was probably their best option in the run game. I mean, only had one carry for seven yards, but, I mean, that that's he's a guy that every time he touches the ball you think something good's gonna happen. Sure. Uh, I mean, and a lot of teams do do that. Like they run, you know, that's part of what Willis isn't very strong in that screen game and those passes behind the line of scrimmage. <laughs> For some reason, he just doesn't have the touch. Uh, but start doing that to open up things and use that as your running game. If you aren't confident in McLeese and King right now to kind of be that hundred yard guy, twenty five carries, that's fine. Do something else. Turner, run that six times a game. See what he does. You know, I, I just think that might be your more you – know, he's a dynamic 
athletic player. Um, and so, you know, I just want to see something kind of consistently work for this offense. If it's not giving a guy 20 carries, do something different. Yeah. You, look. They had no consistent is, option in that game. This uh, is on, this on is old guy AMAC speaking again. But, like, you don't throw four picks if you got an effective running game. You just don't. I mean, because you're, you're, you're half your – plays are running plays and they're effective and you, you have a balance now i know it just seemed like everything was a struggle no matter what it was yeah. like they had nothing they went back to in that game that worked consistently yeah i mean they passed and they got yardage but i mean look four interceptions uh, there was there was a bunch of you know a couple drops there's just nothing consistently nothing looked good nothing looked smooth yeah I guess it wasn't four picks. It was three picks, right? Three picks. Three picks and a, f- a fumble and a fumble. So, yeah, I mean, four, there were so turnovers. many turnovers, two yeah. in the end zone. <laughs> um, it wasn't It wasn't pretty. Right. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think this, for a lot of reasons, this is an interesting game, you know, because you do need a turnaround. You do need uh, some, some of that revenge if you're Virginia Tech. You need – And, you know, part of the problem with the revenge storyline is, like, you know, they're playing so many new players. Like, four defensive yeah. linemen weren't on the field last year that yeah. are going to be – Basically, their entire defensive tackle group. Um, you know, you got receivers. Tavian Robinson wasn't here. Uh, I guess he was at the game, but uh, he wasn't playing. Uh, Keyshawn King, your your co-starter now, kind of at running back, wasn't in the game. So, you know, they got so many new faces that are just worried about kind of what's in front of them that they're not thinking about anything but, else. But here's the thing. I think if, if this team was from outside the Commonwealth's borders, if this was a team from North Carolina or something like that, it wouldn't be as big a deal. But they're in your home state. I mean, they're supposed to be your little brother. You know, they're supposed to have to really work, 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 and then someday maybe they'll beat you. You know, someday down the road. Well, you know, how how long have they been an FBS program? Not very long, right? Yeah. Like five it, years or something? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, right. you know, this this wasn't supposed to happen uh, ever, but it really wasn't supposed to happen this early. you got to reestablish that, uh, you know, that's not, that's not going to be a problem. You, maybe you have to worry about Virginia, and I think you do. But you don't have to worry about ODU. You you can just you know you're not going to lose any recruits or anything like that to them because you're just that much better than they are. That's that's what I think is the important part of the revenge factor here. Yeah, and they, but I think they can't lose sight of the fact that in in three weeks or whatever it is, four weeks when Duke comes to Lane Stadium, they're gonna ha- that's as much of a much win game I feel like than this one. Um, just because of the situation in the ACC where they need to start stringing some wins together. Um, so, you know, they need to win this. It, they need – it should be a blowout. Uh, you know, offensively, this team is – is this uh, you know, ODU almost lost to Norfolk State, is not very good. You know, they have Eric Kuma. That kind of gives a personal nature to the, the thing and, and Chris Cunningham. Um, but uh, I just think it's – you've got to and, – and, and make things look smooth again. You know, this offense – you know, especially for a coach that's known for a, a guy that develops quarterbacks and offensive coordinator, um, this this hasn't been good enough. You know, this this especially, you know, Fuente talked at the at the ACC kickoff about how he was really confident in their game prep. You know, and yeah, well, and I asked him about it. Yeah, and he he, he went on and on, and yeah. I appreciated his response because he did. He kind of uh, you know showed a little. Um, glimpse into his his true feelings there i thought you know he was he was like look i'm not a braggart but uh, i like what we do there was nothing to brag about what happened on no Saturday. there wasn't uh this was this was, and you know i guess that's probably why coaches don't say things you know because they but but i mean he i not you know he had a good record in, in opener he did. so i mean he did he he earned to be able to say that but at the same time you know what's the problem then then you got to analyze what happened you know is it the players are they not listening or uh, is it the talent they have that's just not 
performing well enough, you know, and so I think you could see why fans are frustrated and, and you know, I, I think they've gone a little overboard. If, you know, see calls from Malik Bell to start at running back or, you know, Quincy Patterson. Look, Quincy Patterson's third on the depth chart. He's not getting the game before Henry Hooker anyway right. um, in terms of starting. Um, so uh, we'll see. Uh, it's just a – this was not how I think you wanted to – obviously not want to start the season. But just, you know, I think you could have lost that game and felt more confident about the, t- t- the state of the program. But just the way those mistakes piled up I, I just think is – not good for a team that you know said, "Look, this, today's a new day," or you know, twenty nineteen's a new day. What kind of crowd do you think we're going to see on Saturday? I was going to ask. I'm going to email today and see what their ticket situation is because they haven't announced a sellout. Um, you know, they've got some really lackluster home games, two FCS games this year. Um, so a lot of breading in that crab cake, you might say. Uh, yeah, and um, <laughs> I, I heard rain might be in the forecast, which is never good. People don't want to be rained on. Um, you know, maybe seventy percent, eighty percent. Full, yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, the the fact that it's the opener is going to help help attendance. I think, but yeah. I mean, I mean, you talked about the running backs question. getting lathered up. I think the fans are going to need to get lathered up. Yeah, I mean, looking at next week, I mean, you're going to have Furman. You're going to have. I want to start drinking now. You're going to have Virginia playing Florida State, which I think people are going to want to watch that game. And you, you're going to have the Greenbrier PGA tournament going on just north of here. Um, there's a lot of things people can do other than go to the Virginia Tech game. That'll be an interesting to see what kind of what kind of crowd has. I mean, yeah. you know, Tech fans are Tech fans. They're going to want to go to games, but uh, I just don't know. We'll ha- we'll have to see. You mentioned Florida State. You know, the biggest gaffe of the week has to be, well, you know, Florida State lost that terrible game to Boise State, blew that big lead. Right. But Willie Taggart said during the week that he's going to look into having their training staff hydrate his players earlier in the week. Because they got really dehydrated. <laughs> it's coaching in Florida, yeah. and you didn't think that would be an issue. Yeah. Like, what are what on earth? Like, you know, s- sometimes you say coaches aren't touch or do say uh, he ha- did he not know you have to hydrate early in the week to be have fluids in your system? How mad are the people in Tallahassee right now? I, I mean, mean Taggart w- wasn't are, very good. At, what was he seven and five at Oregon, and they yeah. hire him, and it's like, and he loses the opener to Tech last year, and the t- the team's bad, and then. They lose again this year after and blow a big what, lead. Then, and the game was lead? moved to home after being a neutral site because the hurricane. Yeah. Uh, and then you know, not knowing his players needed to drink water earlier in the week to be hydrated. Yeah, for I, a Florida team, what? Uh, not what impressive. <laughs> not <laughs> impressive. <laughs> That's more of a mistake than four interceptions. Or three interceptions. However many interceptions. Uh, I wanted to ask you. You've done a little research on like how all the transfers did. Any highlights? Any highlights well, you, there? Oh, you want? You just want to mention pimple? You want your pimple to minute? <laughs> Um, the from from a previous podcast with a previous co-host who who shall be not named, um, yeah, Khalil had eight catches for forty yards. Yeah, and so tied for seventeenth in FBS for in um, catches. Number of catches. Nice yard wise, that was like the least amount of yardage out of anybody that caught. And he's at Western Michigan now. Central Michigan. Central Michigan. Central Michigan. Central Michigan. Um, but obviously Josh Jackson did well. Eric Kuma caught a couple big passes. Jordan Stout was the big one. Uh, uh, field goal. Uh, he had a 53-yard field goal, and he had uh, I think 12 touchbacks on 13 kicks. Where's he at? Penn State. Okay. And they won like so. He had 12 touchbacks, so you can imagine how many touchdowns. I think they won like 79 to nothing or 79 to seven. Yeah. Um. But so yeah. So we'll be doing that every week. But <laughs> I'm sure that fans will love that. Uh, they want to. I don't think though. we're gonna do that every week. No, I'm oh. gonna post it every week. Oh yeah. But yeah I, okay. Fans don't love it. Uh, but they're like, there's like six starters on other teams right now. I it's mean, interesting. It, it, it's you know, interesting DeAndre to me. Clinton starting at North Texas on the offensive line. Yeah. Um. There's a lot of names out there, and 
even more so waiting. You know, Bryce Watts will be a starter next year at North Carolina. Uh, Rico Kearney's at UCF. He wasn't eligible yet. But, um, yeah, a lot of names. I mean, Josh Jackson played had a great game, obviously, but they played Howard. Howard, yeah. So it'll be, he'll be one to watch going forward just how these – you know, because him and Willis now are tied, you know, linked together. Yeah. Um, so fans are going to be watching every throw both of them make and be like, every time Willis throws a bad throw, they're going to be like, we want Jackson. Every time he makes a good throw, they're like, we're glad we got rid of him. Well, it's interesting. Being a Terp grad, I looked up the the line for this week uh, against Syracuse because Syracuse is a, you know, I think they're ranked and they're you know they're viewed very highly uh, as like sort of the the number two in in, in the Atlantic there. Uh, only a one point favorite Syracuse. At really, Maryland. that's surprising. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I guess maybe they feel like that's that score is so loud that the public will may maybe come in on Maryland. Are you a guy that can bet against his own college? Uh, no, I wouldn't do that. Bet, I wouldn't, wouldn't do, do that. that. No, I've never bet against the Orioles. Um, but you know, there's there's some sports that I, I don't care that much about, like DC United. Right, I, right. I consider myself a DC United fan, but I will bet a draw in the in those games. Okay. You uh, let's get to our pick three, and then we'll do. Our uh, our predictions here Excuse at the end. Me. All right, sounds All right. good. Pick three. Uh, first one, Boston. We were in Boston. We had a uh, couple good restaurants. The Salty Pig was was very good. But I didn't know this before. I I, I saw it walking to the Salty Pig. They have an Italy, which is like a uh, Italian restaurant that has just like stations. Uh, there's one in Vegas, and it's got like you know uh, a, a charcuterie station, cheese station, flatbreads, desserts. Um, I would have loved to eat there. We just didn't have enough time, but. Um, I'd recommend that. I had that at Vegas over the summer when we uh, spent a couple days in Vegas. Um, and it was phenomenal. Um, a bunch of chefs, I think, co-own it. And um, very, 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 very good. Very good. Uh, I'll go Boston on number one, too. I mean, I, I I figured it out of these big cities, man. I just got to get away from the high-rises and find the water. Once I find the water, I'm happy. I, think I, I found some really beautiful places out by the uh, Clark River, I believe it's called. And it was just really nice and spent some time out there. And the food was good. I uh, had some success at the casino uh, that's brand new up there. I recommend that place. It's a very nice, uh, you know, most casinos are nice when you walk in. Some some are a little dumpy, but this one was very nice. It was very busy. It was a Friday night, uh, but, you know, free drinks and everything. So, uh, yeah, if you're up there, check that place out too. Well, we had the second one for the – I'm glad we don't, you know – there's things, nice things about living in uh, big cities, restaurants, the choices and the amount of food you can eat is one of them. Public transportation, not having to deal with some of that stuff, is a, a blessing. We <laughs> tried to take the subway home, yeah. I mean to the uh, airport, and the subway was closed because apparently somebody was running around on the tracks and they shut the whole thing down, which is amazing to me. So it's like one guy can sneak on the tracks and it just cripples an entire city's public transportation. Um, and then you took, we took the uh, train or the subway back from the game back to our hotel in downtown Boston. And uh, I got off before uh, you did because Fenway, there was just a mass of people from a uh, big and red. What was the concert? Uh, no, it Zach wasn't Brown big Brown? and red. Zach Brown. Uh, yeah. Zach Brown. Uh, a bunch of cowboys, and I'm using uh, parentheses, um, getting on the subway. It looked like there was about a thousand people about to climb on right on top of it you. It was miserable. And so to not have to do any of that on a daily basis, I'm grateful for. You should be. You should be. Uh, yeah, I love where we live. I do. Uh, my second one, The Righteous Gemstones. The, the mm. show, it's got John Goodman. It's got uh, Danny McBride. Um, I, I I just checked it out. I watched the first three episodes. There's only been three. 
I, it was good. I, I'm, I'm intrigued. I think they're not an hour long. I think they're like 30 minutes long. But they're, you know, it's it's pretty sacrilegious. I mean, obviously, pretty it's, sacrilegious. Yeah, uh, it's well, it's very. Be on a scale of ten, it's one a thousand. Ten yeah, ten, my mom yeah, would yeah. hate the fact that I've, I've she'd get through it. like thirty seconds and be oh, like horrified. Oh, yeah, absolutely. She's you know Southern Baptist, born and raised, and that's how we were raised. But uh, it's funny, and uh, so you know, just you know, hold your hold your rosary beads or whatever you got to do to to make yourself feel a little better if you if you if you tend to feel guilty about such such things. Yeah, on the airport on the uh, on the flights, I watched uh, Amazon Prime a new show called Carnival Row. I don't know if you heard of it. It's Orlando heard. Bloom, um, and uh, it's a fantasy show. It's like a murder mystery show. But it's like these the the these fae, which is like you know fairies and. Uh, you know, different kind of magical creatures live amongst us in like the Victorian times, and um, you know, obviously alternate history because that doesn't—that's not actually happened. Um, but uh, it's, you know, they put a lot of money into it. It's supposed to be their kind of Game of Thrones type swing. Um, really boring, just really incredibly <laughs> boring. Um, it's like a John Miller really, book. <laughs> yeah, Orlando Bloom just looks like he's trying really hard, but uh -huh. it doesn't. It's just like he just looks kind of just like vaguely uncomfortable throughout like that was his like acting way that you know it was just not like two and a half I, like i really struggled i ended up falling asleep on both flights so i tried to watch it um and one question i had when you're on an airplane what's the what's the etiquette you know so this shows mature rated it's not like x-rated but there was like some nudity yeah. and some like an autopsy of like a dead body and it's like you're always like do i continue <laughs> watching this do they think i'm watching something that i'm not watching like what's the what do you do you I, there was one sex scene that I like skipped through because I'm like I don't want this you know people to think I'm some sort of pervert. Yeah, no, it's like given, it, it, given what I told you earlier about my mother, uh, <laughs> I would be very self conscious watching. Something yeah, because like it's that. like you know, I, and you know, we kind of public facing you know pictures are in the paper. They'd be like, you know, you know, flight to Roanoke, <laughs> like. Oh, you're the guy that writes the paper. You're disgusting. You know, it's like, why are you watching this poor fairy get caught up on, you know, a, a thing? So I was just like, I, yeah. And there was one scene where this girl's intestines was like all over the place. And so I'm like, I don't know. Like, you know, and, and surprisingly, it was still so boring that it was like, and maybe I should have just fast forwarded it. But yeah, I've really uncomfortable in airports. That's a couple times I've watched things where it wasn't like overtly, you know, it's like you're watching it. You wouldn't say like, Oh, this is really gaudy. But if you're catching a snippet of it and you see like a naked body with a oh, fairy yeah. wings, you'd be like, "What is this person watching?" <laughs> right. Yeah, it's like Game of Thrones. I mean, there's parts of yeah, Game of Thrones yeah, where, you, like, where you're like looking over your shoulder, make sure your kids aren't around. Yeah, like, yeah, you don't want exactly. them to see you so, watching this. Yeah. But like the majority of the show is, you know, it's whatever. It's, it's fine. It's, it's just a drama. Know, basically. Yeah, it's nights or whatever. You yeah. wouldn't think of anything of it. I just <laughs> felt, I just real. It's like you know, because now you have so many options. You're watching TV and. I just feel like not everybody does that, though. Not everybody understands, like, oh, he's just watching a show. <laughs> you know, they think, you know, what is he? Is he watching pornography on his? What What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I saw you in the Fearless Forecast yesterday. <laughs> That's uh, right, yeah, because your paper is like, I, then, you know, get a, I don't want our editor to get a note and be like, I saw this person on a plane <laughs> watching pornography. And then I have to explain to my bosses, like, well, no. My third one, let me get to something wholesome, please. <laughs> uh, baseball. Uh, the, the Salem Red Sox have called in a ringer for their playoff push. Tristan Casas, they're the, the number one overall prospect in the Boston organization, according to MLB.com. Spent the whole year at Greenville, single-A Greenville. Now he's up in high A trying to help them in their playoff push. I'm writing something about him for tomorrow. But, I mean, he he's 6'4", 238. 
Looks like Freddie Freeman. That's what they compare him to. I mean, and they had like five home runs all season, didn't they? So and now he he's, hit he's, one 437 feet yesterday wow. in the season, in the regular season finale. And it there's a there's a little league field well beyond the right field fence. This is a lefty swinger, and he hit it onto that field. I mean, he is legit. I mean, they say that his weakness is he's got a little bit of a long swing. So maybe maybe you're going to look at some Joey Gallo type situations where he, he has a lot of strikeouts. Uh, he struck out a couple times yesterday against a really tough lefty. But um, if you get a chance to come out and watch, I mean, they play Wednesday and Thursday this week uh, in in playoffs, and this they're not guaranteed any more home games after that. They could play some more if they get through this round. But uh, get it, go out and see this kid, man. He might be back next year. I would think it makes sense. He's only 19. It makes sense that he might spend a whole year at the Carolina League level. But um, – I think this might be a guy you tell your kids you saw come through town. Um, so if this is the only opportunity to see him and you're a baseball fan, go do it. Because well, he could skip next year, right? He could go straight up? Yeah, I wouldn't think a 20-year-old would be straight to double-A. I would think they'd at least send him here for a month and a half, you know, something like what they did with Jaron Duran uh, this year. But you never know with Boston. They're very aggressive with their players, and it's worked out for them. I and, mean, they, you know, Mookie was up there quick and – uh, Benatendi was up there quick. And those Benatendi was a college guy, but Mookie was a high school guy, and he just you know he if you if you prove you're good enough to hit at this level, they won't they won't keep you around. They'll challenge you. So uh, I would think you'll get to see him next year. But if not, uh, go go no go now. It's good weather to go out. You know I, I love you know early fall baseball because it's just not so ridiculously uncomfortable at the stadium. You know it's not humid and gross. Maybe it will be, but um, so. If you get a chance, go ahead and check that out. Oh, the games are at 635 instead of the normal 7, too, which is good for the reporters because you, you get a get little extra early. time to interview people. All right. Let's All do right. some predictions. Yeah, let's do them. Um, so the line's 28, right? 28 and a half. I don't know. A like little it, tiny hook. I feel like it's going to be like a 24-point game and Virginia Tech's going to win. Like, they'll cover. Um, maybe it'll be close for like a quarter. Um, Virginia Tech wins. What would that make the final? Maybe 45-20. So they don't cover. ODU covers. ODU covers, yeah. So, so. Yeah, Virginia Tech 45-20. I think this is going to be an absolute bloodletting. I think Virginia Tech is going to – I think it's going to look like one of those games that we saw in Fuente's first year. I'm, I'm trying to remember who they – it was like East Carolina that just ran them off the field. I mean – you mentioned Howard playing Maryland. Howard's in the MIAC. So is Norfolk State, okay? the Norfolk State is better than Howard, but – they shouldn't be uh, within four points of you. In what, what that game was in uh, Norfolk, right? I'm assuming. I don't even. know. Well, I mean, I guess it would be in Norfolk either no, way. It was an Old Dominion because they, they. That's what I mean. It, it was in. Stadium. It was yeah, at yeah, Old yeah. Dominion in Norfolk. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, that, that, to me, that's a, a completely un, unimpressive victory. Oh um, yeah, totally unimpressive. Uh, all the motivation in the world. I mean, there, there's no looking past these. There's no. Oh, you know, we got our ACC win. Let's 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 stretch our legs a little bit because they didn't get their ACC win. They got to get a win, and they got to do it in a way that uh, that punishes these guys to make themselves feel better, to make ODU feel a little worse, and to make this season feel a little better. Uh, you know, a, a little bit more uh, possibilities to the season. You know, what I mean, it's just I, I can't see a scenario where they don't win huge. And if they don't win huge, tune well, in. Tune into the Roanoke Times on Sunday because I'll be writing right. something very interesting. Is about winning this. by twenty-five huge, or is that not huge? It depends. I mean, in your scenario where it's close, like if they go to the halftime locker room, like and they're up 
twenty to thirteen, and then they win by that score. I think that's troubling. Yeah, that's very troubling. But they could be up. I I don't know how the game's gonna. I, I I just don't know. You know, this offense. Maybe they get it together. Maybe it was just like a one week blip. Um, but maybe they just need some more time to kind of get their feet under them because it just looks like, um, like I said, nothing just kind of looked good. I think there's also, and I need to keep restating this because my my esteem, my belief in Boston College being a decent team, a, very, a pretty good team. I think if you're in the camp that believes they're not any good at all, you're going to say, I don't think they're not any good say, at all, oh, but yeah, I get what your point. If you have more esteem, like that's, you know, if you high, hold Boston College in higher regard, that's not a, you know, that makes sense mm-hmm. to just lose a game like that to a team you're exactly. Yeah. So if you if you're one of those people that that thinks that way, like I do, you think, well, this is this is going to be a, a stomping. If you're one who believes, well, and it seems like you're this way, you know, well, you know, Boston College had a ton of holes and should have been dealt with fairly handily. Then you're going to say, uh, put my life well, savings I think a lot on of fans, ODU, you know, view 10 years ago where Boston College was just a win you'd get. You know, that was your, you're on your way to your 10 wins or whatever. I mean, maybe it, a hard fought game. It really was. But you were a better program than that. Or you had more, like, you had just, you had, I don't know. Maybe. Even back then, though, Boston College could come into your place and win. I mean, but you were still a better team, a better program. Oh, yeah, they were a better program, and for right sure. Now, are they, be- like, right now, I mean, they have more talent, but I mean, Boston College has had a, a better stretch of games here the last, you know, You've seen bad football in Blacksburg in your two years on the beat. That's, yeah, that's the bottom like, line. Yeah, They've been terrible at home. They've been losing ACC games, like we said. Um, they, you know, they they've been they've been, you know, in scenarios where you where you're picking them to win, they're not winning. I mean, I understand why you're think, thinking to yourself, I'm not going to pick them to cover in this game. They got to show don't have me. Cleo something. Pippleton, he's not catching eight passes. Yeah, he's not walking through that door <laughs> <laughs> to his music. <laughs> but well, I mean. Let's say this. Five years ago, if you said Tech ODU in week two in 2019, well, how's that going to be? You know, is there going to be anything to talk about there? Uh, we'd have said, you're crazy. But here we are. And that's part of part of when you slip into mediocrity as a program. And well, we, t- we joked, you know, it's like we're going to get, you know, the quick lane bowl goes away this year. This is last year. <laughs> we'll get we're going to go get, to, go. get to celebrate the, le- the ACC's last appearance in the game. Um, if it's if this season continues, and then some fans might say like that's our best case scenario right now. <laughs> let's, um, but, but we'll see. Before we go, let's just look at the doomsday scenario. Let's doomsday, do, doomsday, doomsday, doomsday. Like you know, with these these hurricane forecasts, what's the worst that can happen? Well, the worst is obviously they get beat again, right? If you lose to ODU, that's doomsday. There's no there's no tomorrow at that point. Uh, what happens next? I mean, what? What? I mean, you'd have to think if you lost to ODU, you have to go with a different quarterback because what's the point of playing a senior? Right, right. You've lost to ODU a second straight year. <laughs> Your season's done. Like, why play a senior that you're not developing around? Then you go to – then, you you know, you say, we'll give Hendon and Quincy half and half and see who the better man is. Yeah. Because you can't – I mean, what are you building for? You're going to try to get – Six. I mean, you know, obviously Fuente's probably saying, "Well, I want my job," but, <laughs> but I mean, at that point, you, you know, and what is more likely to save them if Quincy comes in and looks good and shows promise, and you don't make a bowl and you go four and eight, no. but Quincy's here for the next three years, rather than you go six and seven under, or um, you know, you five and seven under Ryan Willis and you don't make a bowl. So this is Willis's job on the line. I think he has to win. To oh yeah, I agree. Uh, I think ODU fans, and uh, 
look, they're fans and they're going to want to support their team. I, and I don't know this for sure, but I'm, I'm guessing they have fair fair amount of confidence in their team. You know, just come in there and nothing to I've lose. I've never talked and, to an ODU fan. So well, I, I mean, I, just, I, I, got, I got dealt with some last year when uh, Tech lost and I said ODU you know, be many, many years before ODU has another win of this caliber. And people are like, oh, no, that's still going to happen. And then they lost the rest of their games. <laughs> like, like, uh, like, oh, no, we're going to win. We're going to win a bunch. And I'm like, uh, I think I think it's more – I think this was more about tech than it was role. you, Slow to be honest. Role, yeah. Th- those receivers, though, they're not on this team. Those ones that were – Well, they're that great defensive end who's in the NFL now. So Yeah, uh, I mean, they had some players. They had some pieces. It was the perfect storm. And, and it just all fell apart for Virginia Tech. And, and I just don't see that happening here. I just don't see any – way they don't i mean it doesn't feel like doomsday i feel more optimistic that there's going to be a sunday so I mean, maybe <laughs> <laughs> maybe they'll win who knows all right well we'll find out and we'll be back next week to talk it over and also break down that big Furman game <laughs> coming up <laughs> is that i got ju- we got talking we had a juice mentioned today we did in the press conference about uh, charlie wiles but yeah charlie wiles bringing juice he could wear that number one jersey um <laughs> but you know what doesn't have juice this game Furman. Furman. Yeah, Furman, no juice. No, no juice. Have you ever been on Furman's campus? I have not. It's a gorgeous place. Oh man, it's a. I thought you were going to go to another, but but no juice on that campus though. Uh, I mean the, I I went there as a visiting baseball player, and it was uh, the field was very nice. Uh, the the there's like fountains everywhere as you drive onto the campus. I was like, wow, this is, like, I never would have thought Furman, you know, being what it. What I you thought they'd have running water. <laughs> no, it's none of that. It's just you know you just think small school or whatever. It's yeah, not yeah, yeah, have much. Yeah. But the the paladins very are they still the paladins? I think so. Okay, sure. Why not? Well, why are we breaking down a juiceless game two weeks in advance? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how we are. <laughs> Talk about the phones on campus. All right. Well, that should do it for this week. Thanks for joining us as always, and we'll see you next week for Mike Nizolik. This is Aaron McFarling. Take care.